0: Welcome to Music Therapy. I'm Jessica Risker, and I am a Chicago musician and I am also a licensed clinical professional counselor. Music Therapy is a show where I use my experience as a counselor to discuss mental health issues that are relevant to musicians and other creatives. Uh, that includes informational videos and interviews. Um, the purpose of this is to kind of bring some more awareness to mental health and um, just just kind of dig into some of this stuff, especially during this particularly vulnerable vulnerable time in our society where mental health is is uh, especially at risk. So, if you want to see past interviews and past shows, please visit uh, YouTube. There's a link in my bio where you can uh, click and uh, visit those past videos. And uh, today, I'm going to be talking with Blake Norris of Audio Tree. And before I ask him on, um, I'm just going to make a few announcements. So. Um, First of all, let's see, I want to talk about the rest of the guests that are going to come up this weekend. So, on Saturday, tomorrow, I'm going to have Eric Hall. Eric Hall is a label mate of mine on Western Vinyl, and he's got a new album out that's really beautiful, and so I'm excited to talk to him about that and how he's been doing. On Sunday, Ty Maxson, one of my favorite Chicago artists. He also put a new album out recently that is also very beautiful, and I'm looking forward to speaking to him. And then on Monday, Stephen Paul Smoker of SV Smoker is going to be on. So I've got a really great lineup this weekend, and next weekend is already full too. I've got Carrie Couch, who is one of the co-owners of Cafe Mustache, she's going to be on uh, next Friday. Kurt Oren, um, who is sort of a, a regular um, and plays in mini bands and uh, around the, the, the DIY scene. Anna Holmquist of Esther is going to be on, and also Dr. Leslie Tanner is going to be coming back. Um, so, Blake, why don't you go ahead and... Uh, request to join, and we'll get started. And uh, after I'm done talking with Blake, uh, please stick around, I'm gonna be playing a brand new song and giving it a shout, giving it a try. (laughs) Um, Words are a little twisty today, I think. And all weekend long, I'm going to be uh, trying out some new songs. And the final uh, announcement I have is that on Thursday, June 4th in the evening, I'm gonna be doing a live stream of some old songs and new songs with the Lincoln Hall Shubas uh, Instagram account. So please join me for that. I'll, I'll be, uh, keeping you posted on that. So let's see, let's get Blake on here.
1: Hi Sophie. Hi. Hey, what's up? Should I turn my, should I turn this light on? Let me see if I can, I seem dark. There we go. That'll work. Yeah. What's up? How are you doing?
0: I'm good. I'm hanging in there. How are
1: you? Good. Yeah. Uh, just, I'm home with my wife and my child right now. My tiny baby is right over there. I have two children. One of them is uh, five months old, Lisa. Oh, whoa. One, the other one's two years and five months old. So that's kind of how my life's going. Mostly yeah.
0: baby-oriented. <laughs> so is the second one around? Did you feel that was easier? Was it just as hard with the newborn stuff?
1: Uh yeah, the second one is currently. Oh oh, you mean like the second attempt at having a kid? Like yeah, yeah. I luckily like I grew up um in a family of six kids, and so when I was fifteen, my mom no thirteen, my mom had like another baby, and then when I was fifteen, she had another baby. So Uh I grew up like being kind of like an uncle brother to some real babies. So when our first kid came around, like I knew all the diaper changing, and like how to deal with the kid that just won't stop crying, and like how to feed them with the okay. stuff. That was all really easy, but the hardest part was like the relationship part. So to okay. be honest, seeing what Remy can turn into, the second one, uh, it's like so much easier with Oakley as an example to care about Remy as like a little dude. But easier, you know what I mean? It's like to care about him more because you know he's going to turn into a person, even if right now he's kind of like a lump
0: yeah i you know my brother has said that when he uh had his he was like you know the first the first several months they they take and they take and they give nothing back
1: oh.
0: Oh, God. <laughs> but then eventually they get cute and interactive and and it gets easier So
1: yeah absolutely that's absolutely right <laughs> yeah
0: so you knew you knew it was temporary yeah yes. i I remember people saying you know thinking about oh six weeks from now, and six weeks felt like that would be an eternity
1: for oh, yeah. day two. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And sometimes, especially with them, like they go through these stages of change that can last like two whole weeks where they're just kind of an asshole. And like, you don't <laughs> really know why and there's not much that you can do about it. And that's like yeah. shown evidentially, you know, they just like do this and it could be any number of factors. And so it's just every once in a while, it gets hard to be like, why did I create this thing? <laughs> <Stop."> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> like, <laughs> but they're amazing too.
0: So. so, okay, so you've got a family life that I'm sure keeps you very busy. Yes. What, before the quarantine, so you're in Michigan, right?
1: Correct, Grand Rapids.
0: Do you, do you remember the date the Michigan shut down?
1: Uh, no, I wanna say like March, uh, the er- early March.
0: Okay, so <laughs> um, basically the question is leading into what did your life look like? What was a typical day or a typical week for you before the shutdown occurred?
1: Yeah, so interestingly, in terms of like the, um, yeah, in terms of my like work life specifically, it's mm-hmm. basically the same because I had been working remotely for Audio Tree for four years or like three, three and a number of months, years. Uh huh. Anyway, so I would just like, On Tuesday through Thursday, I'd go to a coffee shop in the morning that my friend Garrett uh, is the manager at. It's Mm -hmm. called Up, It's awesome here at Garrett Rapids. And then, like, in the afternoon, I'd be home because both of our boys, well, at the time we only had one boy, but then eventually two, would be at daycare, and then my wife would be at work. So in terms Mm -hmm. of, like, that stuff, that didn't really change. Like, I already work from home, you know? I have that sort of day-to-day but the biggest thing uh, like the biggest change right when it happened was um like just the fact that I couldn't go out and see people as easily so yeah but then a lot of the same stuff uh kids stuff um I had friends that I would hang out with a lot but yeah
0: well so I mean I guess a couple of things I'm wondering if they changed like the daycare you may not have had or the ability to go to coffee shop anymore right did those change
1: correct Correct. Okay.
0: So how has that been to try work, to try working at home when the kids are both there and...
1: Yeah, well, when they go to daycare, it's a lot easier. When they're at home, yeah, it can be like a hard balance. With with just Remy, it's pretty easy because he can just chill. So you can like work mm-hmm. pretty easily. But Oakley's right at the age, uh, my older one, where he just needs so much attention.
0: Yeah. And is your wife, is she still working currently?
1: Yeah, because she's a pediatric nurse practitioner, so she's like a she's a healthcare worker, so she has to work. Yeah,
0: is she as busy as before? I know a lot of people are avoiding the doctor's office and
1: things. It's different. It's like they're um, yeah. It's different. I don't know exactly how to answer the question. Would you say you're busier than before or not? Um, for me, it's probably the same. For her, it's probably the same. It's the same. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. But yeah, because we work directly with COVID patients or anything like that, except in a rare occasion she did today, but not that often.
0: Yeah. Um, wow. So, does that mean then that you are that you're mostly at home, primary caretaker, and trying to work while taking care of two kids during right. the day?
1: Uh, yes. Except the actual weekly scale of that has changed because of some stuff with COVID. So now Lisa and I are both at home together on Monday. Mm-hmm. And then on Friday, I'm at home by myself with Remy, but Oakley's at daycare. So there's never a case where I have both of them during Monday through Friday at the same time without Lisa anymore. But it used to be that way fairly often. It changed recently.
0: Okay. So how how are you feeling during all of this? Uh, this I'm I'm leaving that kind of purposefully broad. How,
1: how have you been doing with all this? Yeah, well, my easy answer is depressed. <laughs> but yeah. but the reality is that as I get older, I realize that I think that's kind of my state of being,
0: like your baseline.
1: Yeah, like I I, I joke, but it's not a joke. Uh, do you do you know the Enneagram? Are you familiar with it at all? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh I, I identify as an Enneagram 4. I have my like problems with it. I don't love it, but just it's an easy language to share with people sometimes. But I identify as an Enneagram 4 so my joke is that I'm a 4 out of 10 like every day when I wake up. I think is a real is actually real. Like okay. I I definitely wake up on like the wrong side of the bed all, all days <laughs> or mo- okay. most days.
0: Okay, well that's something just just for viewers. Um I guess I want to put this like disclaimer out there is that whenever i whenever I have a guest on the show I'm never trying to take them by surprise to ask them something personal about their mental health so you and I had talked beforehand about talking about um the depression that you've experienced and you had said like over the past five years or so you had it has why that five years is that when it became more intense or is that when you were dealing with it more or what
1: it was when we we lived in Chicago for five years and then moved here uh-huh. then like the last it's been pretty much since we moved but a little before we moved like i i yeah
0: to chicago or to michigan
1: Uh to michigan sorry from from oh. chicago so yeah okay. so it's- the last five years i think because just the shift of when you're home by yourself. i used to go to the office right and it was like super easy to distract myself mm-hmm. you know like with fun and people and chicago's an awesome city and you can do a million things at any time that you want mm-hmm. you know then you move here and like the pace is i i don't know if you're familiar with grand rapids but the pace is definitely slower and then we like had a kid and then i was at home working from home so for yeah. the months I didn't really go anywhere so anyway I just think there's a reckoning when you have to like face yourself all the time absolutely yeah not not that it's uh comparable I I guess in a way it is to like sobriety but my friend uh who is the drummer of the band the fall of Troy his name's Andrew he uh, uh was like a meth addict alcoholic all this stuff so he went sober once and the disclaimer that he always says is like it obviously changed his life and he's like a lot better for it but he said it sucks because every day he has to look himself in the face like right here and that's comparison for like uh working from home and just having to meet yourself like right in front of you because the only person you have to sort of battle your mind is you
2: right
0: totally so what was the reason that you guys moved to the grand rapids
1: uh a job for lisa and mm-hmm. then Audio Tree was willing to keep me on remotely, so it made sense. And then my best friend Ed lives like five houses down from us, but when uh-huh. we lived in Holland, Michigan, which is like right around the corner.
0: Okay, okay. And so, can you can you share your role um, at Audio Tree and your history
1: yeah. with Audio Tree? So Audio Tree changes, and my role has changed a fair amount. Um, uh-huh. I currently book bands uh, for like live stream stuff. Mm-hmm. Because don't have sessions yet again, but hopefully we will have sessions again mm-hmm. and some back end work and I do some like uh, interview work as well. I used to be the like main host, but then when we moved here, then I hired a bunch of other people in my place. So there's like a rotating cast, but my uh, like really good friend Mindrum is one of them who does a lot of them. So, yeah, with me. Okay. As well. And she also books with me.
0: Okay so do you i mean did that change in your role and being you know physically away from audio tree how did you feel about that
1: yeah it definitely changed my like um it definitely changed my sense of like purpose for sure it i i think when you go to a in in my experience when you're able to go to a physical place it has some um permanence uh or yeah i guess permanence and it it has like a place literally to exist but when like you're encountering people on like their email name yeah. or like over text messages mostly and then occasionally facetime or whatever but we haven't really caught up to like what everyone's up to yeah. now in quarantine time yet you know some companies who are larger and have more remote people were using zoom for years you know but we weren't so anyway just distant definitely from yeah. but then i found other passions within it and i think, I hope I was doing a good job at my job still, you know, but.
0: Okay. Um, well, let's see, there's a, there's a couple of like main paths I want to go down with you. Um, and I'm sure there'll be little, little stops along the way, but so the, the first path is just kind of talking about audio tree and you know, how it's been impacted by the pandemic and quarantine. And then the other is talking to you about some of your experience, um, with depression. Kind of going into that, so I guess what is there one you want to start with?
1: Yeah, let's do Audio Tree first.
0: Okay. So how you know? In, in many ways, it seems like Audio Tree. This has kind of been a a moment that Audio Tree was sort of, uh, you know, in a good place to be able to give something during all of this. Um, how do you how do you feel? I mean, how is? I don't know. I guess I just want to leave it open. Like how is audio tree feeling now? How is it changing?
1: Yeah. I think, um, I think we're, I think we are taking like more risks now because we have to and uh-huh. figure out some like really intriguing paths with like we're using Twitch now and Twitch mm-hmm. as a way to build like a big audience. Um, some of our just technological stuff has gone way up thanks to uh, friends of mine like Ellie and Austin and, and um, Justin who all are like tech people or... Yeah learn to be tech people. So that's been awesome. And I think it's challenged what our sort of uh, meaning as a company is. And so we're still figuring that out, I think. Um, Shoot, and then I forgot the second part of the question. Oh, or it was just basically how it's been. Um, And uh, venues, though, it's really sad that the venues are closed. And we just, don't know when they'll be able to open again but we're hopefully putting together like we're right on the edge of putting together like a bit of a series where people can like watch stuff from our stages so um like live streamed so because it's not uh there was a law passed in chicago that you can like do live stream stuff from venues as long as it meets the um parameters like social distancing and okay
0: that's cool Okay, that seems like a step forward.
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure.
0: So, what would you say the up to this point, the identity of Audio Tree has been?
1: I think Audio Tree began as a company that was uh, a taste making platform and a. Um, way of lifting up like starting out artists mm-hmm. as we've grown a lot larger. I think our tastemaker role has increased and our sort of content creation role has also increased. Mm-hmm. I think the mission of Audio tree now as it's evolved still has a tinge of that thing that I said that I believe it was founded on, but is more um about highlighting maybe like middle level acts or lifting up like um people in certain scenes especially internationally that are doing really cool things because we have like a global reach at this point which is really cool because we're an internet company and i think the other aspect is to sort of like showcase what uh film and sound technology can look like in like 2020 so a bit of like a stylistic kind of taste making aspect too we have a lot of people ask us like technical questions from the sound department and from the video department about like what equipment they use and how they achieve certain uh you know i don't know shots okay okay well i have a question for you about that too but i'm gonna wait till
0: the end for that one but um Um, what was I going to ask you? You're good. I think, I think it slipped my mind, but how are you, how do you find people are the reception to audio tree has been, you know, as you've kind of pivoted and doing, I've seen these live streams kind of go, go on frequently. How, how have you found those going?
1: I think, I think they're going okay. I, it, it, it's definitely like, new, and we're still trying to figure out, I think, where and when to use, like, the different platforms, but I have a lot of hope that we will.
0: It's a lot of experimentation, I'm sure, right now. For sure. So, um, can you explain to the viewers, you know, I notice a lot of overlap, and and I'm a little fuzzy on this, too, the connection between Lincoln Hall and Shuba's and audio tree. It seems like a lot of overlap in staff.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, we... Should and are attempting to do a better job of making people understand that the umbrella company, it's like Shuba's Lincoln Hall and Audio Tree, like are a company. And then we just got another like branch, so to speak, which is called Audio Tree Presents, which is okay. in, um, Michigan, based with like this dude, Nate Duro, who used to run uh, like indie booking company out here. Mm-hmm. Um, so all four of those companies are like under the umbrella of AudioTree. So like, for instance, our graphic designer, Austin, right now, bless his heart, does like graphics for all of those companies. So that includes Tide House, the restaurant as well. Um, but then there's certain like the booking department um, of the venues is different from the booking department of AudioTree Live or the current live streams. And um, the bosses are the same of like all of those. And then certain other people do crossover as well. But yeah.
0: So what was the original seed
2: of this this group?
1: It was uh, Shuba's.
2: Oh, man, I'm
1: so fuzzy on this story, so forgive me, my company (laughs) watches. But um, uh, Shuba's was like just ending going out of business or one of the managers quit one of the things. It was basically just uh, an opportunity that Michael and Adam decided to purchase it because it was a venue that's really important to them and kind of in areas, near areas in Chicago where they had lived or mm-hmm. like time. Um, so we took it over and then, um, uh, yeah, that. And then we like rebuilt out parts of it and then put Tide House on it, which is that restaurant. Um, okay, I, yeah. That's, that's, cool. that's the Shuba story. And then, man, I, I can't remember the Lincoln Hall story. But we, we acquired Lincoln Hall as well at some point. Um, and then, yeah, and then Audio Tree Presents was like November of last year. It was like a sort of, um, a serendipitous thing that happened out of nowhere, basically.
0: Okay. And when you say we, who are you referring to?
1: I guess I, I guess I'm <laughs> to, like the royal we, like I'm referring to Audio Tree Live, but like Audio Tree, the company which owns all those companies, but I could, cause like I didn't do any of that stuff. <laughs>
0: okay. Okay.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Okay, uh, good. I think that's, uh, that's good. That, uh, that helps me kind of understand all the connections a little bit better.
1: Yeah. Yeah. My bosses did that stuff.
0: Got it. Um, Okay let's see, do you have any I mean, are there any? I guess I don't necessarily need, want you to get into I mean, you can if you want to for sure, like all the guests, but is there any sort of special things that audio Tree is doing that you can tell people about that are coming up?
1: Oh, yeah. Um, well, we do have a Twitch channel. That um is going to be like a bit of an experimental channel as we figure out what to do. But I do Q&As on there with people that have like the same opening 10 questions. And then it's like a chat interaction. So we try and get questions from the audience to the uh, performer. And it's like mostly with bands um, and other like random people as well. But there's other funny things on there. Uh, next week, Jessica, uh, my booking partner and uh other hosts and i are gonna like read uh mean comments about us as hosts
2: Uh
1: (laughs) live on air and then we've interviewed rick fritz who is our sound engineer and we're gonna do a bit more like inside audio tree kind of stuff so that people can learn more about our company um and then otherwise yeah just that i i don't know if we're at the like last stages but there's uh there will be shows streamed from our venues, for sure.
0: Okay, cool. Very cool. That's exciting to hear. That's That makes me feel hopeful. Um, Well, would it be okay if we pivot to yep. some more personal sure. stuff? Okay, sure. so, I guess, you know, this being a show that focuses on on mental health with the emphasis on, on music and musicians and the music scene, um, part of it is just kind of talking to people about their own stories and their own journeys, of course, whatever you're comfortable sharing, but you know, I, I heard you say at the beginning that you feel like a certain certain baseline depression has always just kind of been part of you. Can you share a little bit about your experience with depression, your history?
1: Sure. So growing up, I was like a really sensitive kid. I got like <laughs> hurt really easily, like in my soul. You know what I mean? People, yeah. It wouldn't take much for like something to, uh, yeah, get me sad. I played yeah. the trumpet. And when i was in uh like seventh grade i there are earlier stories than this but i just like this one as an example we went to honor band and i was really good at the trumpet i was first chair for a while and then Mm -hmm. second chair, but only because my friend jake was amazing at the trumpet Mm -hmm. but and then i went to like honor band and i would never practice i don't know why i guess i had talent but not any i don't know discipline probably but practice and then I'd go to these things and I'd do almost the best you can do but not quite and then I would like beat myself up about it for like a week and my parents always told me like oh you just need to practice more or whatever anyway I look back on that and I realize that I think that that sensitivity is like very much interlinked with depression now when I was 19 was my first like I won't say suicide attempt, but like suicidal ideology, like very serious suicidal okay. ideology. And I was able to um, like, I got help for that. And then I was like, I don't know about diagnosed proper, but that's when I started to understand that it was something like for real.
0: How, like, did, you, how did you get help? Was that something you pursued on your own?
1: Uh, it was mostly my wife, my current wife was my girlfriend at the mm-hmm. time. And then I got in trouble at school because Uh my friend and I smoked weed on campus, which well, actually not on campus, but within campus grounds. And it was a very small private Christian school. So they were not Uh about that.
2: Uh
1: I was forced to go to therapy through that. Like they gave a couple of options, like disciplinary options. And one of them was like to go see this therapist uh, who was awesome. Yeah. So I was which like, was "Yeah." The other option. Uh, the other option was well, I had to tell my parents, um, which annoyed me because the deal I made with him, he claimed I wouldn't have to tell my parents. <laughs> I had to talk to like the superintendent, or not? It's not called a superintendent at a college. Like a dean. I, yeah, I had to talk to the dean and like the student activities director and my RD and a few other people. Oh, and the other option was a weekly meeting with my RD to like discuss stuff. And again, I remind you, it's a Christian college, so probably just about God. But, um, uh-huh. and I said, hell no. I was like, I'm not doing that one. Let me go to therapy. I'll go okay. to a professional. But at the time I didn't value therapy. I thought it was like, I don't know, I, beneath me or something. I didn't understand what it was or what it
0: was. Yeah, meant. I think a lot of people
1: feel that way, yeah. Oh. And I was 19, so that's like part of it too.
0: So, what do you think contributed to your your suicidal thoughts at that time in your life?
1: Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know at that time. I was a junior in college, um, I had some good friends, but like, uh, I was far away from Lisa, my wife, current, or like my current wife, girlfriend at the time. like five hours away, she went to the University of Iowa, some distancing factor. And my school's really weird. Like, it's kind of hard to explain to people. There were like 1500 kids at it. It's like an old Dutch reformed school. So it's like, very, very strict. But for some reason, there are 13 churches in a town of like 5000 or something like that. That's what kind of but so reactionarily, the college is like incredibly liberal, but all the kids are still like sort of uh, like a lot of small town kids and people that come from like strict backgrounds, very religious backgrounds. Yeah. So it's not that rebellious. Like, I like, like it's a dry. So like
0: smoking shit. weed near campus is like a pretty big deal.
1: A oh, pretty big deal. Yes, yeah. exactly. It's like breaking many rules at once, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, I'm I'm sort of impressed that because I think, you know, therapy is most effective when somebody's sort of ready for it, but you went in and didn't really understand what it was. and It was sort of a a, a choice that you had to make between two options, but it sounds like you kind of leaned into it a little bit or you had a good therapist. Yeah. Or-
1: I went into it like very, very much um, skeptical and like, I'm, a, have become a good enough liar at this point as a 19 year old kind of dickhead you know I become a good enough liar like I'll fake it in there like I'll, I'll give her whatever she wants me to give her but there's no way like it's going to impact me or change me kind of thing yeah. and it just it, it broke me in like an hour <laughs> I was just like I was just like had never had anyone allow me to like again with that analogy of like facing yourself had yeah. n- anyone allow me to like face myself so directly and um yeah it just like absolutely broke me and I was like oh damn I guess I have to do this this is gonna be the only thing that's gonna help me like move forward in any way you know
0: what was it about her
1: uh she was really smart I, I think all of the all the All of my like active therapists have been kind of the same profile. They're like the more science oriented, like interested in like neuroscience and psychology, PhDs mostly and like all the same age group, like women at like 45. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. It just started with her and she just like listened to me well and knew a lot and was very like. I, in my relationship with therapists, it's easier for me to have one that kind of calls me on my bullshit, like, tells me that stuff is stupid. Like, I appreciate sens- sensitivity, too, obviously, and I yeah. want people to, like, be open to my ideas, but sometimes it's, like, it's nice to have that sort of, uh, I don't know how weird it is to compare it to motherly, but I mean motherly in, like, a sort of, like, larger sense, you know, like that. I think,
0: like, I think the mother figure comes up a lot in therapy. So. Okay,
1: Okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Definitely. But yeah, I like that, and I, I always had a good relationship with my mom, so I think that's part of it too.
0: So that was your introduction to therapy, and it sounds like it was uh, a positive one, in that it's you know you felt
2: comfortable, it's made sure.
0: comfortable. And so, how did? Where did you go from there? As far as like your relationship with mental health and, and depression.
1: I think I still kind of let it uh so I had to go to her a certain number of times, don't remember, four maybe or five. Okay. And it was okay. like and then I honestly thought like I'm fixed. I was like <laughs> that's awesome. I'm like I'm good to go. Like this is awesome. And then I had um my oh man. I can't remember the next step kind of in my story, but eventually I graduate from school mm-hmm. and um, moved to Iowa City, where my wife is. Mm-hmm. And I think we get married. It was like a pretty cool time there, so I I I didn't have that much low going on. Mm-hmm. I so like um, I did have a job. I wor- was a manager at Noodles and Company. That kind of drove me nuts a bit, but I think it all just sat. I think it all just sat in the back and I would occasionally have discussions with Lisa and then I'd go see like a a therapist, you know, um, for a bit and then it would help and and then we moved. That's basically it. Cause like my journey in Chicago with depression, it didn't ever feel like it was there except like random times. And then I just chalked it up to like being too drunk or something, you know, like okay. it didn't. I think it was something about I was exercising a lot. I was like hanging out with a ton of of really good friends. Okay. Audio was really cool. We had just gotten married. There was like a three to four year time where it kind of felt like way in the backdrop, you know?
0: Yeah, kind of latent. Yeah, yeah. Totally. So then, and then that brings us to the point where you moved?
1: Yes, to Grand Rapids, yeah.
0: And where in the timeline did you have your first child?
1: Um, we, he's two and a half. When did we have Oakley? Um, A year and a half after we lived here, we had Oakley.
0: So before you had him, were you struggling?
1: Uh a bit working from home. Yeah. Freedom to do things like have lunch with a friend mm-hmm.
2: or yeah,
1: like stuff like that. It was just so much more free without a child. So I think right. I think it was pretty easy to like yeah, get through that for sure. Okay. Yeah. And sleep. Sleep is like number one it's probably the number one maybe like in general maybe everyone's is different but it's like the number one thing for me if I don't sleep like I am sure to like feel awful okay I mean yeah but
0: so then so then you enter a a newborn yeah (laughs) Speaking of sleep okay and then you're very much you know kind of stuck at home and dealing with with the the all take and no give newbornness of it all um for sure so, I mean, it it sounds like the birth, like there is kind of some postpartum for you. Yeah. That was going on. And then did you, how did you, did you address that? How did you cope with that?
1: I can't remember. Like I saw, it was again a time, there's always like a night that's really, really bad. And it always comes with like suicide, whatever, suicide adjacent activities or thoughts And um, then, like, the trajectory is always the same. And then the next day, Lisa and I have, like, a talk about it. And then I, like, go see my therapist. And then it, like, gets a little bit better. And then I start, like, living my life better. But so the first one... So there's been, like, three or four of those kind of exact situations. Okay. First one uh, was probably when he was a newborn i can't quite remember i can only remember like the more recent ones but yeah it definitely changed when he was born
0: the more recent episodes of depression you
1: mean yeah yeah and
0: so what are those
1: uh well i've had like uh i was hospitalized in february actually this february uh, this february yeah i went to pine rock which is out here uh it's a cool cool like mental health hospital that's uh-huh. the first time I'd been hospitalized but the second time I had been to Pine Rest um and you had been what? I had been to the mental health clinic like that I'd been checked in but I just didn't stay inpatient is what I mean Got it. what
0: was going on this February
1: um and then this February I think it's just a combination of uh Six weeks of basically not sleeping well or really at all because um, Remy and Oakley like crossed over at that point where Oakley needed like a lot of attention and then Remy did. And then like um, stuff with work was changing a big thing. My old coworker, Jess McCauley, left. She got let go. And uh, so like she was a really good friend of mine and we worked well together. So that uprooted kind of that. I think solidarity. And then weather, man, uh, Michigan. I know Chicago's bad in the winter. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's worse in Michigan, but there's no goddamn sun. There were there were two weeks, two years ago, where there was literally cloud cover the entire day for two <laughs> weeks. It was like living underground. So I think a combination of those things. And then like my tendencies, I like stopped eating well, you know, it all like spiraled on itself, which I is the definitely my experience, like most of the time.
0: Did you
1: go to the hospital voluntarily? Uh, no. But I, I did, I did after I talked. T- I did after Lisa, my wife, called um, our neighbors, Ed and Heidi, to come over. Um, I, when they walked in, I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna have to go." Basically. So yeah, I mm-hmm. went voluntarily in the sense that I knew I had to do it, even if I didn't want to. You know? Yeah. Right.
0: Are you comfortable sharing, you know, what your depression looks like, what you experience? I mean, this is a, you know, three different groups of things, but sort of uh, physically, behaviorally, and cognitively?
1: Yeah. Um, It's usually like, it usually starts, I I can do a lot better. I'm learning to understand more of like my body, you know, and and Mm -hmm. the way but I honestly don't have much to say about that except one thing that I know is that my posture gets really bad oh, okay <laughs> that's like one thing I can't think of that much else yeah uh I feel tired because usually it comes after a lot of tired so like you know a yeah. little or, or a lot of not sleep a lot of tired lol. Well. um cognitively though I think it's uh I've thought a lot about it and spent a lot of time in it and out of it um it usually comes associated with just, like, uh, categorical feelings of a worthlessness. I have more, like, stories that I might be able to tell that can clarify it. Like, um, one time I—this <laughs> is a funny story now. It's kind of sad, so I guess. Whatever. I was playing Euchre, and uh, do you know that game? It's a card game. For I've pers- heard of it. Okay, doesn't matter. Four-person card game. You have a partner. It's fun. Michigan shit. And uh, I was playing with my uh, best friend, Ed, and we were losing. And then it just just spirals, just like that trumpet thing. Like, I go home, and then I'm like, oh, my God, I lost. And, like, that's probably because I'm a loser, and I've never been good at card games. And, you know, then I – it's like it's that. It's always that sort of, like, go down and down and down. And then in the worst times, it's like I wish I wasn't here – you know, like, that more extreme, like, as it spends more time brewing, so to speak.
0: Got it. Okay. And what about, like, behaviorally? What, what have your behaviors changed when you, how can somebody from the outside tell that you're depressed?
1: I think that's also something that I'm learning. Like after after Pine, Re- Pine Rest forced me to like pen all this stuff down mm-hmm. so I could share it with. Um, and that, I, I say forced me. Like they like held me up against the wall. They like very much inspired me. It was amazing being at the hospital. It was uh-huh. the best like four days of this year for sure. <laughs> but um,
2: <laughs> uh-huh.
1: but um yes. Uh, they they helped me write down some of those things. So some of the things are like, I just get bored with stuff. Like uh, all the things that I like, I just stop liking, which I think is pretty like cliche. You're not engaged, yeah. Yeah, totally. I uh, love video games, but I'm generally okay at like stopping when it's time to stop. But yeah. I, I play a lot more video games. I stay up a lot later and I kind of like... um and I'm trying to think of other ones. That's that's the main stuff, I guess.
2: Okay.
0: You have such an energetic personality during this interview. Does that do you feel like that changes when you're not feeling well?
1: I think they're like deeply intertwined weirdly. I think sometimes when I'm like the most depressed, I'm also the most like um creative and boisterous and like em- empathetic and stuff um so it's weird uh, it's it's a really weird relationship sometimes when I'm healthy what ends up coming out is actually like um a more silent like like laid back version of me but it can also reveal like a really really talkative like um positive confident kind of person too and it's and I, and I know it's deeply intertwined with creativity as well which is weird but it like bursts in weird ways
0: when you're feeling depressed you feel more creative
1: sometimes yeah
0: what do you think about i mean is that that can be complicated i know when people have manic episodes sometimes they like the manic episodes because they get a yeah. lot done
2: and they're right. they
0: happiness i mean how do you does that
1: cause any dissonance for you uh kind of kind of i yeah i i more to like definitely hard sorry, to I express agree. i i think oh you're sorry
0: good. i got a phone call and i was afraid it was gonna knock you off but uh but no you're okay. okay no no worries
1: uh we're back um yeah i think uh sorry what was the question again i think is there any difference for you in that you know it's- oh yes <sighs> yeah i think what ends up happening is I once I get healthy, I realize that I can access that same level of like creativity um, specifically, but also like charisma uh, or whatever the word is there um, when I'm healthy as well. So there's cognitive dissonance at first and then I'm able to realize, no, that's like who I am like what's what's weirdly allowing it to be and stopping it from working is like depressive thoughts it's like the depressed brain that kind of holds that person back and forces them to be annoying basically (laughs) or something
2: right
0: i think that's a good way that's how i think about it too that you know things like anxiety and depression they don't they don't kind of allow the It's working with those symptoms to allow the you that's kind of in there to come through. They block that sometimes.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: So where do you, you know, this is a a journey and I imagine a lifelong one managing it. It sounds like for you, it's, as we said, kind of latent and then different life changes happen or whatever, and then it manifests again. Do you feel like, you know, if you were to have... I mean, well, I guess you're you're kind of saying now during this whole thing has been you've been feeling some depression yeah. during this pandemic. How are you coping with that?
1: Um, I mean, probably poorly, but I'm attempting, I'm attempting to connect with my family and friends when I can, you know. Um, but uh yeah, I I don't know if it's worse, you know. That's the part of it. Like I, I think Again, I think the older that I'm, thirty-one at this point, which isn't old, I understand, but it's old enough <laughs> at this point for me. But I feel like um, I just understand that it's like so a part of me that I I, I begin to have like uh, like a deeper understanding of the fact that it's not going to go away.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: I just need to like be okay with it when it happens and realize that it's not forever. That's what I want to say.
0: It's not something to solve. It's something to manage.
1: Yes. Yeah. For sure.
0: What are the ways that you have found help you to manage it?
1: Um, I really like to write poetry Uh and I'm pretty good at it. And I love to write um, and it like, it very much heals me. It has like a really healing effect um, on me. Now that my two-year-old is a toddler, I'm sorry, Oakley, he's a little harder, but he used to be like a healing mechanism for me for sure. And then spending like a one-on-one time with my wife. The problem is of course that that's like nearly impossible, <laughs> especially right. when no one can watch your kids because it's quarantine. So that stuff.
2: I, um, I know, yeah
1: those are kind of centering things. And I also just connecting with friends, which quarantine has actually been a pretty decent time for that. Cause everyone's itching to like text and call and everything. Yeah, you know? So for sure, that's been nice. For sure, It also
0: sounds like just hearing your history and the ways that you've, um, you know, dealt with it at these times that just talking to somebody about it helps you too.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. And that what, what happens is when like, as I get healthier, which I feel like, at least in this very moment I feel like very healthy but um I I'm able to share it with people I think a lot more like openly and without much I don't know what the word is fear or something and so um that helps me too because then it just becomes like a normal conversation you know like this is like a very valuable conversation for me to be able to share you know thank you so much for having me on but I mean like a normal conversation in the sense that like I've done this before, and this is part of who I am, and I like sharing this stuff, you know?
0: Yeah, and I mean, I really appreciate you, because you are being very open about, you know, your experience. It's something that is really personal, but I think that other people hearing your experience and the ways that it's come up for you and the ways that you've dealt with it and can be, can, you know, make people aware of their own experiences and that it's okay to, like, ask for help and normalizes you know therapy and getting help and and dealing with it because some people go years without saying it to anybody or the other thing is is that I think some people have it as their baseline and because that's your baseline you don't you don't quite know that you could maybe feel a little bit better
1: absolutely
0: because that's just kind of how you feel that's not to like put everybody's sense of self into question but you know when you're I think there is some truth to that you know some people's baseline is just lower mood
1: i i I so agree and and like again that's kind of what i'm saying about like the to bring back the four out of ten thing like that's an honest that that's like just about as honest as i can be you know like that's how i wake up and i understand that the cool thing is there are aspects of it that are really positive too it means that like if i'm doing well my feelings are something that are like really powerful and can actually be used for like you know, good. But, uh, but when they dominate me, that's its own thing, you know? Yeah. But,
2: yeah. So uh,
0: if, if you don't mind my asking, are you connected with the therapist right now?
1: Yeah, I am. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Has that
0: been able to work with the quarantine? Are you doing like tele?
1: Yeah, we just do teletherapy, therapy and it's nice because I've had her for years and after Pine Rest, like they, again, uh, like inspired me to, um, yeah. uh, see her once a week. So I've been seeing okay. her since well, that's not entirely true, but once every, let's say once every two weeks on average since um, uh, quarantine like started or since, yeah, or earlier than that even, yeah, February.
0: That's good. You have somebody monitoring you. They get kind of a slice of how you're doing every one to two weeks and can kind of give you that feedback on your behaviors and the way you're presenting yourself and all that. So they can kind of help you keep it in check too because sometimes when you're, you know, sometimes the the change is gradual when you're going into depression. So you don't always realize it's happening.
1: Absolutely. And that's been, it's been like, um, luckily my wife is also my best friend. So Mm -hmm. she's been like my, my, help in all of this to like keep reminding me that these are clues kind of yeah. that are coming up and, and like keep reminding me like, you know, you should go to bed like kind of early tonight because the last two nights you were up till midnight, you know, like stuff like that. Yeah. It, it's been like really helpful to have her as a partner in that journey as well. So
0: totally, she sounds very supportive. That's great.
1: She's smart as hell. So that's part of it too
0: is there is there anything else that you'd like to share with people about about this topic
1: um i had a thought i suppose but i think the only thing i want to say is that i think a lot more people could benefit from just trying whatever the simplest form of therapy you can allow yourself to do is because even really like consistently healthy people if you're waking up an eight out of ten on that scale every day and your life is just like rainbows and butterflies still might see get a lot of value out of just having a wall that talks back you know like a therapist at the beginning especially is just gonna sit there and like (laughs) you know ask you awesome questions so
2: yeah
0: I definitely agree with that um 100%. one hundred percent. And for couples too. Yeah. You know, a lot of couples when, that I see and this happens across the board is it's kind of a it's kind of a last resort measure to go to a couples therapist. Yes,
1: but we it can almost be, divorced and now what's that? like like yeah, it's like we almost divorced, but we saw this couples therapist. It's always pitched like that versus like yeah.
0: Totally. Yeah. But I mean, you know, I think a lot of people think that if you're going to a therapist as as an individual or as a couple, then that means something's really wrong. And, you know, it's, uh, to me, I think it can be more as as mental health and therapy gets more and more normalized and more appreciated for for what it can bring to people, that it can be just another, another helpful, you know, space. And sometimes when you go through bumps, can kind of help you work through them. You don't have to be in a really bad way to get something out of it.
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: Well, thank you so much. Where can people learn, you know, more about you, more about Audio
1: Tree? Um, well, they can learn more about Audio Tree just at audiotree.tv and we're doing a lot of awesome stuff on our, like, um, IG on our uh, Twitch and stuff like that so you go on YouTube and Facebook so you can check out that stuff we're doing a rebroadcast tonight if people are watching live um, of like a label called Sergeant House which is awesome and then for me I mean I do have an Instagram obviously it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's Norris like Chuck is my name yeah. because my last name is Norris and um, otherwise I don't really I'm not great at social media stuff but if you watch our audio tree you can see my face because I often do these interviews or am a face involved so.
2: And
0: that's how I you know reached out to you. Obviously I know Audio Tree um but you know I had seen Winter perform. I think I just sort of clicked on it and saw her and yeah. I really liked what she was doing that I saw your interview with her and that you were talking about depression and these struggles and that's how I reached out to you. So yeah. so yeah please check check it out and then that brings me to my question my technical question. Um, can you share any tips? This is very personally relevant to me, but yes. um, I know a lot of other musicians kind of want to know this too. Do you have any tips on how to get good sound when you're doing a live stream of if, if your performance okay. like your phone?
1: Yeah. If you're doing it on your phone, my actual answer is like, this is so capitalist, but there is a microphone that Shure makes that's really cheap that you can hook up to your phone. Okay. That, that will make it sound so much better. That's what else? <laughs> uh I cannot remember what the mic is called, but yeah, if you just look is it, it a up.
0: Sure? X- Chicago Company. Okay.
1: Yeah, exactly. S-H-U-R-E for people that don't know. Um, yeah.
0: So, so get a mic, hook it up to your phone. That's going to make a world of difference. Yeah, and then and then in
1: my experience just with doing these, the other thing is I'm, I am should show people where I am. I'm literally in like the entryway to my house um, <laughs> because it's like a perfectly secured location. <laughs> like um, the Wi-Fi is like right there. And then uh, yeah. I can shut this door and open it if I want. And these lights like try and soundproof you like as much as possible, because then th- you can play really loud, and it won't be like.
0: Oh, that's a good tip, and Josh Wentz, who is actually my bandmate, who I miss very much because we play music together, and he adds so much to it, um, he said MV88, that's my T-shirt, so I know he's right, and he probably has it, I know he has a microphone, but I do not know which <laughs> one. Um, so yeah, thank you Josh, <laughs> thanks a lot for sharing that. Well. Yeah. Thank you so much, Blake. It was so nice to talk to you. And again, I really appreciate I know everybody who, who listened and who's going to listen. Um, really appreciates you being so open and candid about your experience. And I uh, hope you hang in there and uh, reach out anytime.
1: Yeah, thanks a lot. Thank you so much for having me on. I was glad to share and it was really fun.
0: Okay. Well, thank you. Okay. Yeah. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Okay. So that was Blake Norris of Audio Tree. They've got some, uh, a lot of stuff coming up. Uh, if you want to learn more about it, go back and watch the interview because he talked about a lot of it. And he also talked a lot about um, depression, his experience with it, and was very, very open and candid about it. So I really encourage you to, um, to revisit our conversation if you didn't hear the whole thing. I have committed myself to playing uh, all new songs this weekend. I've been working on new songs. This is a really new one. I just finished it on Tuesday. And so, maybe a little rocky, but we're going to give it a, a go. Um, part of this is a little bit of practice for my Lincoln Hall Shoebiz set, which is coming up in a couple weeks. And uh, just kind of testing out live performance and sound and all that stuff. So, definitely going to get that mic that he recommended. The song is so new, it doesn't have an official title yet, but we'll give it a shot.
2: For you, I rest. Well,
0: Watching. We had uh, Blake Norris on today. Tomorrow we have Eric Hall. Eric Hall is a uh, label mate of mine on Western Vinyl. He's got a brand new album out. He's going to be talking about that and some other stuff. How he's doing during quarantine. Hope you guys are doing well. You can listen to my music on Spotify. You can get the record from Western Vinyl. let's um, I See You Among the Stars. And I'll be back tomorrow at 2:30 with another music therapy. Take care and see you then.